in terms of media and the journalists, they loved, you know, they love a bit of conflict. Um, and um, if you can tease out your, your enemy uh, within, then that's, that's a strong story. You know, David versus Goliath, that's, I learned very often in, in my career when, when I started out with the animal shelter, um, the David versus Goliath wins all the time in terms of captivating hearts and minds for, for journalists and their audience as well. You know, we love to see triumph. Welcome to Reputation Revolution. This is the podcast where we help individuals like you to establish your voice in the marketplace, enhance the credibility of that voice, extend the reach of your story and your message, and finally, extract value from your efforts in building a meaningful personal brand that's both recognized and respected. Now, on with the show. Welcome back to the Reputation Revolution. My name is Trevor Young and this is the Personal Brand Influence Podcast where we look at all very uh, all the things that pertain to building a respected personal brand in today's reputation economy. Uh, today's guest, uh, we're going to be talking all about media relations and uh, she's based in Liverpool via Louisiana <laughs> and Adelaide in Melbourne. And uh, so we're talking all about media relations. Uh, Chanoa Park, welcome to the show. What were you doing 10 years ago? Oh, good question. Hi, thank you. Thanks very much, Trevor, for having me. 10 years ago, I was in the middle of uh, doing PR for social housing, for housing associations. And um, I had, I was in Liverpool. I've been here for about 30 years now. Yeah, going on 30 years. So I was, I was uh, into, into the groove of, of doing PR and corporate communications at that point. Right, so you've been in the game a little while, and um, you, have you always wanted to be in the, the PR game? Well, no. Um, I kind of fell into it, and uh, I'll kind of take you back to where it all began, really, where the, I saw, first saw the power of media and how um, it powerful it could be. I was starting out at university back in Louisiana, and um, my mom worked at an animal charity, local animal charity, and... Um, she'd come home kind of defeated and she'd come back and they had a big issue at the time, you know, this is 30 odd years ago with um, stray animals. So there were loads of stray animals. People weren't spaying and neutering their pets because it cost a lot of money. Um, yep. It cost about 50 or $60 at the time to spay an animal. So if you are on a low income, you're not, you're not going to put that ahead of, of feeding and, and, and mm. um, heating your, your home and, and your family. So my mom would come back defeated. She had these free vouchers to give to people to go and, and get their animals fixed. Uh, they needed donations. They needed fundraising. And she was, I, I, I just thought, you know what? There's got to be something here that I can do. And without having any experience of PR, I, saw, I thought, well, mom, I'm going to call the local paper. I'm going to call the local yep. Uh, radio and the TV and I'm gonna get them down to one of your uh, open days and she just kind of looked at me like I was crazy so I called them up told them what was going on and um, they came down on the day and going from like a, a trickle of people coming to their their open day they were absolutely inundated <laughs> I think my mom I think she not sold out but she gave away all of their their vouchers for the day um, they got a load of donations, fundraising. They ended up having a regular spot on, on the, the morning show. And Fantastic. it really helped to get their message out there. It was, Absolutely. you know, I just saw it firsthand. Yeah. All righty. Two things I want to unpack from that. Okay. One is 
you don't have to be a PR expert to get good quality editorial exposure. If your story's good and you get on the phone and or email or whatever, Twitter, yeah, Twitter <laughs> and yeah. reach, reach the right person with the right story, uh, hit the emotional note and the hook and who knows what can happen. So that's number one. Number two is you never know where it goes. You get one off and then all of a sudden, as you said, it's, uh, you know, they became a regular spot. You can't buy that. That's why we call it earned media and uh, uh, in our in our game, and I probably use that just a little bit of jargon in our space, but uh, it, it's a pretty good catch-all because uh, it's not free. You're earning the right to get covered, for someone to cover your story um, and or interview you or whatever. Now, whether you've pitched it out or you've attracted them in for something you've done, um, but it's that's when we're talking, when, when we throw earned media around, that's what we're talking about. So... Um, walk us through then, because you now run your own show, and um, you know you work with a lot of leaders and and um, you know founders and that type of person uh, who you know need to get, um, I guess, coverage and editorial exposure for their business, and they are the business often, uh, and they're the ones with the story and the founder's story. So walk us through what you what you're doing today then. Yeah, sure. So. Um... That I've been in PR then for for thirty odd years since I since I came over here worked a lot in social housing housing associations public sector but about five years ago I got the opportunity to take redundancy and go off on my own and do freelance PR and I thought what am I going to do more social housing more public sector but I found a niche to begin with in um, in startups but then I also worked with coaches and consultants who were trying to raise their profile to to be seen. Um, yep. to be heard and to amplify their message and mm-hmm. um, in the last couple of years I have found a real um, specialty area working with founders of startups so these are companies that generally they're, they're referred to as like challenger brands disruptors I know that's disruptors. a term that's used yeah. a lot um, probably overused these days but they are going into a mm-hmm. sector where there is a competitor already, you know, there's a huge brand that already has a a high position, uh, a large market share, and they're going on with this new product. It could be technology, it could be a new process, a new way of doing something, um, because I've got a few clients that work in different spaces, artificial intelligence, mental health. So they're coming in, they're going, we've got this new way, this this fantastic way of doing things. and in order to be a challenger brand, you've got to be heard. And it takes, you know, it takes a yeah. lot to kind of go up against the big boys um, or the yeah. big girls, I should, I should also say. So when, when I'm working with the founders, oftentimes the founders have a fantastic story of why they found this new technology or why they have this new way of doing or process, um, overcoming something. A lot of times when I work with, with founders, it's an overcoming a challenge or an obstacle of, of some sort. And that story resonates so much with the media. So I help them uh, build their credibility because oftentimes they've got a little bit of seed investment. So, you know, on that investment journey, they've had some angel investment. And then the trick to get to the next level, which is series one, where you're talking 13 to 20 million, um, that's when they really need to have proof of concept, excuse me, of their brand. And that comes with credibility. And not only credibility of getting the clients and the customers to show that their their product is, is as good as it says. But oftentimes when they're going up those big brands, they need to 
amplify through media coverage and particularly like the tier one media coverage mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. they can put that on their websites and go we've been featured here or they can get their message out yep. through SEO um, so it's an incredibly uh, important and powerful time for them to really build um, up their messaging so that's yep. kind of the niche that I'm working in at the moment okay so and and this is timely because the last couple of episodes two episodes ago uh, we talked to Jake Moore from the UK who's built an amazing uh, profile as a cyber security specialist and now he last year he got 400 bits of uh, media so uh, he's uh, really started to up there but uh, and then last week I, I just used a uh, uh, talked about owned media and how that can help you with your media relations and it was actually a chapter from my book content marketing for PR so I just wanted to continue the theme and, and, and really excited to chat with you today about this and let's unpack the sorts of things that you have to do because um you know like i guess also you know if you've if you've got a service or a product often you can't just talk about that um in the media and i think the problem with you know founders or business owners particularly is that um you know they get so besotted with their own brand and their own things that they they just default to it when really, um, you know, there might be some genuine news, but more often than not, in between genuine news, you have to create the news. So walk me through some of the, the types of things that you do on a day-to-day -day basis, just so people can get a bit of an understanding of what's involved in media relations, because it's an ongoing, we call it media relations, because <laughs> it's uh, it's about relationships with the media and, the, and influencers. And I guess the other part of it too is that, you know, do you do any sort of thought leadership sort of stuff as well uh, with your clients where they have to try and, uh, you know, be at the forefront of thought uh, in their industry and in, to become an influential voice? Yeah, sure. The um, Well, first of all, I love media relations. I mean, that is like, I've done all sorts of corporate communications. I've done crisis comms. I've done, you know, you name it, content, social media, but media relations I just love the buzz you get and for a couple of reasons but the main reason is I love finding that sweet spot so with a company or a brand they'll come to me and like you say they're consumed with their business it's award-winning or it's you know we've got the best in show <laughs> our widget is amazing and you'll love it so I've got to yeah. unpick that and try and find the stories um, luckily enough you know I'm, I'm very good at creating stories from um, from what I find and working with founders so I need to un unpick that but then I love to serve two masters in that I love to get it right for journalists because I know you know, I, I love journalists. I've got a lot of time for them. You know, they do a very difficult job trying to get the message out there in real time, working in, um, you know, against deadline. And I kind of, well, after 30 years, I, I know what they, they want. So I kind of, I love bringing that together, that sort of sweet spot where you've got the, what's going to work for the client in terms of the messaging, but also the story for, for the journalist. And when I first meet with a client and sit down, what I will do is um, understand some of their key messages around um, what their product is. Um, I will also go and do what I call the follow the leader technique, especially in the area that I that I work with, which is challenger brands. So I'll go and Google their sector and I'll look at what is their competition? Where are they, where are they at the moment, you know, in terms of what media that um, they're securing the kinds of stories to kind of make me tease out some potential um, ideas and stories as well. 
And yep. um, I have been very lucky in that the clients I do work with are first of their kind. So in terms of, you know, there's six sort of areas that a journalist looks looks at. Um, I won't remember them all off the top of my head. But one of the, the areas is like um, first of its kind. So are you bringing something to market that is new, um, that has never been seen before? Because journalists love that. Or I will um, look at their messaging and look at... Um, I like to think of it as, this is a scary term for PR people who are always trying to avoid this, but conflict. Because in terms of a good story, people love yeah. conflict. But Indeed. I'm not talking about like, you know, man versus man, or, you know, I'm not talking about no. going out. You've got to have an fight. enemy. You do. You've got to have exactly. an enemy. It might be within the industry, within the industry or the status quo. You know, you're, you're railing against the status quo. Is that sort of, that's what you mean? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I think of it as the, as um, what is your monster? What is your, your enemy? And yeah. um, many times it will be the old way of doing something. Um, yep. Or sometimes it can be for, for example, with, um, I don't know if you've, if you've seen the app, the, the company called Too Good, Too too good to go uh too good yeah too good to go i think it is it's a food uh waste app and basically it matches um restaurants and food businesses that have too much food surplus at the end of the day yep. with uh yep. people and 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 they kind of give out these magic bags at a reduced amount so their enemy is food waste um yes and also un unaffordable food so they really hammer that message and if you look at if you do a google search at um, the kinds of stories that they're in it's all around this food waste this disruption of the market these so many tons of food that's being wasted but then they'll also have people on their um human interest stories you know the people element of a story yep. which you've got to have in there as um in, in some yeah. sort of form so they will go to users who have used the their app who have maybe fed a family of four for four weeks and saved enough money to take them to disney world you know that's a really strong story that the food app yeah. you know in that particular yeah. instance can jump on so yeah um timeliness so thinking about um first of its kind um also your enemy that you're going up against which you can you can also use in content and content marketing but it's um in terms of media and the journalist they loved, you know, they love a bit of conflict. Um, and um, if you can tease out your, your enemy uh, within, then that's that's a strong story. You know, David versus Goliath, that's... I learned yeah. very often in, in my career when, when I started out with the animal shelter, um, the David versus Goliath wins all the time in terms of captivating hearts and minds for, for journalists and their audience as well. You know, we love to see triumph. If you're a challenger or a disruptor, then that that will often come into play, won't it? Exactly, exactly. And use what you've got, you know, if, if you're going to challenge it. And, yeah. and not necessarily going head to head, but it's finding that old way of doing it, of, of going up, you yeah. know, places like Uber, you know, uh, Virgin Atlantic when they first started out. Um, so, yeah, yeah find, your, find your kind of enemy within. Yeah. But also yeah. in terms of the timing of, of, of your story, you always have to look at... Um, you, I may be working with uh, a new brand that has been around for 10 years. And for individual, you know, for a journalist, if you launched a product t 10 years ago, it's like, what's new about that, you know? So you've That's kind it. of got to find the, the newness in that. And um, another way of doing it is to look at trends going on generally yeah. that you could jump on, in on. 
um, what's happening seasonally as well to, to bring your brand into that story. So all of those elements too, it virtually always requires uh, it requires a leader who's willing to put themselves out there and have a have a story and a message really clear in their mind, which obviously is really important before you even start approaching uh, the media. Is that something you take uh, your your clients through? I mean, I guess it's the goals. What are you trying to achieve by going to the media, and do you need to be going to the media? Uh, but on and on the other hand, and you know, so I guess expectations are always met on that regard. Uh, but you've got to really. There's a fair bit of work in in advance of getting your, I guess, your narrative, your story, and your message right. And then there's the stories and the hooks that you've got to develop over and above. So there's a there's a little bit to it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. When you, when I first, yeah, there's a lot of background. You know, it'll take a month or so to kind of understand the business itself to speak to the founder and say okay what are the messages um what do we need to be saying here um and also tease out a lot of times with these challenger brands and disruptors to be honest they're quite bold <laughs> i almost gotta go okay do we want to do this you know they're really they're, they'll push the boundaries and those are the ones i love you know because the media yeah. loves mouthy people um, and uh, I learned that lesson when when I was working in in social housing and um, I sat at a table I was out at an awards uh, dinner one night and I was wedged between a politician on one side and a journalist on the other side and um, the journalist whispered to me you know he was he was it was quite uh, a a guy that kind of took over the room had a lot of opinions and things so the journalist kind of leaned over to me and she said we love those kind of people you know we will always go to him because we know he's going to give us a really good soundbite so uh most of the time yeah when i'm working with with challenger brands they they aren't shy and that is the best way to get your message out there so it, it is about what do we want to say what's going to help achieve those goals um and, and you know how are we going to get that message out so we, we lay the, the the we lay the ground for for the first few weeks that we uh, work together and then i work with them to kind of look out in the sector and go okay well yeah. there's this going on and help them many times they have formulated their message around what do we want to say? Um, because another thing that's that's a really good idea is to take what's happening in your sector and in your industry and really turn it on its head. So we, you mentioned thought leadership before, and thought leadership can't be vanilla. You know, you can't no. go out. I have worked with people before, and they go, "I want to write this thought leadership piece," and you kind of <laughs> listen to it, and it's it's like, but that's what everybody else is saying. That's, you know, that's not going to go anywhere. There's no leadership there, no thought. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Um, So, yeah, you've really got to think about your messaging. But you got to be careful with that as well. You know, it's carefully crafted. You'll see, you know, people like Richard Branson, uh, you know, it's carefully crafted. They may look, you know, a bit maverick, but there is a lot that goes into refining those messages to make sure it meets the business goals, to make sure it captivates the audience, to make sure it's of interest to to the media as well. So, yeah, you've got to kind of plan those out before we even go, ta-da, we're here, and this is what we want to say. And and, and aligns with their, their brand, which Branson does better than most. So, you know, if you've got a staid brand and, and, and your leader's controversial and provocative, um, then there, there, there could well be a bit of a disconnect there. So 
You, you mentioned earlier about tier one media coverage, and that's obviously the hardest to get to because you know that's what everyone's trying to get. What's your view on um, you know building up to that? I, I call it the Rolling Thunder strategy. I don't know why, um, but you know for people who are unknown, often you can't get to tier one um, unless you've got a really really great story. You can chip away at it, but in the, in the meantime, you've got to hone your chops elsewhere. And um, sometimes by doing that, you will eventually uh, get the notice of the journos. Uh, but that building up, building up, building up, it might start with some you know some podcasts in the industry or a or a leading blogger or a trade journal what, what's your thinking around that yeah definitely i mean you will i will normally work with um the client to identify i see a top 20 um media outlets and of course three to five of those will be tier one they'll be the biggies the bbc of this yeah. you know the times and, yeah. and all of that yep. but don't you know I, I we don't start there because two things it takes a little while to build up that reputation but also you don't want to cut your teeth on the bbc you know that you don't want that to be your first media (laughs) experience you know you want to have kind of um yeah you 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 want to get a little bit experience before before you get there and um podcasting is is brilliant um and becoming a, a guest on a on a podcast is great because especially if their audience is in tune and is aligned with with uh, your audience is a great way of building that credibility through their audience so yeah. podcasting is brilliant um guest posting as well is is great um yeah. i worked for a little while w- doing some guest blogs with um screw the nine to five i don't know if you've heard of them they're quite a big yes, biggies yeah, in the, yeah, in the industry jill and josh stanton who specialize in um building helping people with have courses to grow their business so that aligned with my business at the time so i did some guest blogging on them and i was able to build an audience based on their audience so that's a fantastic way to start but also your own your own content um an example of one of the clients i worked with during the pandemic just at the beginning of the pandemic she was health and well-being and a yoga instructor and um when everything started to lock down within the first few days she thought i'm just going to do some some free yoga sessions people need to kind of take some time to themselves and this will help people with their mental health so I'm going to do some free um, yoga on my website and on my Facebook page and lo and behold just from kind of doing that on her um, on her own uh, social media she did it it was broadcast into a Facebook group in London and there was a journalist uh, a BBC journalist that was in that group thought it was amazing ended up doing a story about her on bbc london which was amazing just really blasted her profile and um, about three months later because there was a celebrity that was then looking to um, build a wellness brand he did a google for a google search for yoga instructions near him she came up and now she is the uh, a Google instructor for this big celebrity um, at the time. And that was purely by going, you know what? I'm just going to do this right now on Facebook and on my website. 
This is fantastic. Can we put the brakes on there for a tick? Because there's a lot. <laughs> sure. And what I love is that this this locks into what our uh, what our episode was last week. So um, that that supports what we were talking about last week, where you know it's never guaranteed, but creating your own content um, builds energy around your brand. And you, you know there, there's a little bit of luck involved, but you make your own luck, of course. And you know just because you create content doesn't mean it'll automatically get on the on the on the you know, the journalist's radar, but there's an example. Put the content out, make it live, just go for it. And uh, clearly showing expertise and, you know, passionate about doing so. And then, you know, BBC and uh, clearly the what, what they probably found, um, the celebrity was uh, maybe the BBC article or something potentially. Um, so that's at least there's, you know, a bit of Google juice there. Um, but it's credibility, you know. So if the BBC covered you, there is that perceived third-party endorsement that's, um, you know, that you can't buy that. You just can't buy that. So thank you for sharing that story. That is a ripper. And that goes to show that it's not one or two things, but, you know, if you do the, I think, the socials and the owned media as well, that will help you in your quest for um, media coverage and editorial exposure. Doesn't mean you can't go after that stuff, but I think it builds a bit of a bit more base of credibility today. Exactly. And I think what what also you need to think of as well, Trevor, is she did it out of wanting to do something for her audience. So a lot of times I think if you come from a place of how can I serve this audience, I think that says a lot of things. And that's what when I go into speaking to journalists, I don't think I have my client in the back of my mind, but I'm also thinking, how can I serve the journalists and their audience? And if you go into it like that, it really opens doors if you come from that position. But isn't that across everything? That's across social content. Who's our audience? What are we trying to say to them? And and you're right. In media relations, it's the audience is the journo, but then the audience actually is their audience. But being aware of the journo's audience or the editor's audience, I think, is important. What do you think about, um, you know, if there are some important... Uh, journos or editors or producers or presenters or whoever in in you know the space where your clients work um, sometimes going in and just doing the relations side of things without necessarily looking for a story uh, and and going in with a hook just to sort of a quick meet and greet so you're on their radar is that a, a philosophy you sort of um, you know agree to <laughs> yeah definitely um, it's something that that uh I sometimes coach um, entrepreneurs as well, and that's the first thing I'll I'll do. I will say to them, while we're getting your top 20 list of of, um, individuals, because you need to think of individuals rather than the media itself. So what individuals would be interested in your story uh, along the line? And I will ask them to go and look on Twitter. Twitter's, as you'll know, Trevor, Twitter is the place to be if you want media yeah, relations. Yeah. That's where journalists hang out. They might have Instagram, they might be on LinkedIn, but Twitter is where the where it gets done. And if you identify um, some of the journalists that you think will be interested in the future, and just go and follow them. You know, read their content, um, comment or retweet, because journalists these days are, are very much, um, they don't get graded on, but it, it's all around how shareable their content is. Yeah. And if you can share their content, it shows credibility for them and it makes does. them look good to their bosses. You know, we all yeah. like to look good in, in front of our bosses. So if you can mm. help them increase their reach, um, say something, you know, and, and it's got to be, um, 
something that comes from the heart. So not just, you can't be quite yeah. obvious. You can't dial you, you know, it in. Exactly, exactly. Um, for example, a few months ago, I've got one of my clients works in the mental health space and um, their therapy is very much based in, in neuroscience. And there was an article in the New York Times all around neuroscience and I found it absolutely fascinating. And I thought, that's a really interesting article. Oh, I was in two minds. I was like, I was two thoughts. That's interesting. I've got to go and thank him for that bit of information. But also potentially there could be some newsworthiness from my client and a story. So I found his email and I just emailed him and I said, hey, I really enjoyed that article about neuroscience. Um, since I've started working with um, a new client, I, I read about um, these kinds of things all the time and I just want to thank you for, for sharing this message. And um, he wrote back within within 20 minutes, you know, a New York Times journalist. I didn't expect it. There was no expectations. I just wanted to say no. thank you. And he came back and he was like, oh gosh, you know, thank you so much and thank you for reading it. Um, and he was just humbled that I would go and, and do that, which I thought, he's a New York Times journalist. Um, but he's but a human he, being. He's, he's a, human a human being, being. and they <laughs> are. They are human beings. They <laughs> They they like, you know, <laughs> obviously there's some with egos, but most of them are, that I've realised, you know, over the journey, you know, they 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 want to know that their stuff's hitting the mark, and exactly. uh, and they probably don't often hear about it too much, you know, um, genuinely people yeah. actually liking their stuff, and uh, we all like that. We all like a, a little yeah. bit of flattery, but genuine flattery, not just uh, schmoozing flattery. Um, exactly. Is, exactly. Is, is is the key there? So. One of the things, take you back to what we were talking about before about trends and and some you know leadership stuff in the uh, in your industry or finding an enemy that might work for your product per se, but there might be a bigger issue around you know like if your enemy is the the big banks, um, you know we have big four banks in Australia uh, and the startups go up against the big banks, so that's their enemy. But you know they can that doesn't just have to be about their product all the time. It can be about issues around finance and that side of things but you've got to really know your game you've got to be across things all the time how do you coach your clients and work with them on that do you have a pool of ideas that are percolating trends research coming out because sometimes you might have to just jump and others other times it might be a little you might you know write an opinion piece and you got a longer gestation period to do it yeah well, an example is with my um, mental health client, We there are points in the year, I would always look at a, a calendar ahead. And, you know, you don't have to write out a big, long strategy or, or calendar, but you need to know points within the year that are going to be um, key milestones and newsworthy points for you as a, as a personal brand. So for my client in, in mental health, Christmas is around the corner as we're recording this and we started working together back in September on potential story ideas for Christmas and for New Year and the um, reasoning around that is a lot of the magazines and certainly the women's magazines that we're trying to position and get articles placed they work three to four months in advance mm. so they were already asking for that but also um, it's important to the client so Christmas is important and right now there's a trend going on I don't I assume it's kind of all around the world but certainly in the UK there's something called Christmas 
revenge Christmas. So last year we all had a terrible Christmas, couldn't necessarily spend it with, with all of our loved ones. And there's this big trend this year to make it the perfect Christmas no matter what, at all expense, and that's at expense of our wallet, at that, that um, the expense of maybe mental health and anxiety around that, the build-up to make the perfect, perfect Christmas. So there's kind of that trend bubbling around for my, okay. so for my client, it's, it's great, you know, and providing tips and uh, around that, but also if you're like in financial services, you're in debt management, yeah. you know, that's, that's a, that's a point. So knowing about the wider issues is very, very important keeping a finger yeah. on the pulse. And, and, and it's a, a backdrop, isn't it? Because when you're, you're pitching against a backdrop, you're making it topical and journos love topicality. So um, certainly the dailies and the, you know, the weeklies and that sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, um, that's, that's important as well. And I guess that that's, that's part of it is understanding, you know, what the going to a journo who's covering a beat, you know, that you've got to know that they, that's their space. And if it's a bit of a general one and you can't find someone, then you go to a, if it's a newspaper chief of staff or something like that. But there's, you know, I, I, it's, it's about, you've really got to be looking all the time at, at the opportunities and be ready to go. And, uh, and I think that that's, that's the hardest part, I think, to keep it going. When you've got genuine news, you can go for it and you've got it, you know, bang, happening. But the best um, media relations campaigns and the people who are in the media all the time, look, rarely does that happen by chance. Maybe in the early days, it, they really had to work hard and now they're a well-known name. They just get called up by their favourites and they're in the little black books. But, you know, most people are on that early journey. And um, how long do you think it takes, you've got to commit to it for, you know, to really start breaking through? Three months, three three to six months. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, I have had clients who have, I mean, I had a client, she had a brilliant, brilliant story. And we were able to get some traction within the first couple of days. But her story was ex it was extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't happen all the time. And it, it went viral. But um, generally, what you've, you've got to be it for the long game. You can't just go, okay, I'm going to contact some journalists and that's it. And they're all going to kind of come in. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, I wish. <laughs> it would make life easier. But it is like, um, it, it's kind of like a trickle. And it's like a waterfall. Once it happens, once those floodgates open, it's fantastic. But, um, and one of the first things I do with, with clients when I'm first working with them is to start that journey is to contact some key media and say, look, I've got this, uh, this expert, they can talk about this, that, and the other, they're fighting against that, that, and, um, they're available to say this, that, and the other. Now I know that Although I've, I've emailed them, I probably won't hear back from them for a while. And actually, the longest was about three months. I introduced a client who was into um, managing gaming around children's mental health and gaming. Um, and she's a child, uh, a psychologist. So they came back and they said, thank you very much. We will keep them on file. Sure enough, in three months' time, there was um, a trend that came up. And what you've got to understand, if you do that intro to some of the journalists, they keep that in their inbox and they will go back and search for gaming child psychologist so they, they 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 keep on top of it so even if you don't hear right away when you've emailed them with a great story or introduced yourself as as an expert you there's a very good chance that um if you've done it right if you've pitched them right that they will come back to you and they'll, they'll keep you in mind for anything it's it's interesting that um you know a lot of people just think that it just happens and it doesn't um it 
there is a gestation period off and sometimes the story's not right. You might think it's right. It might actually really be right. And the journo just can't see it. They might just be having a bad hair day and they just can't see it. And that's frustrating for PR people and for if people are doing it themselves. You know, and they say, well, I know this is a good story. I follow that journalist all the time. Yeah. That happens. But, it, it, you know, rejection is a, is a uh, you know, you, all you can do is put your best foot forward, right story to the right person with the, you know, at the right time and, you know, and do all the things that you can. But the secret sauce is when you're, how shall I put this, uh, you're talking to them and they know that your name pops up and you've approached them in the past and they haven't run anything, but you've, you, you've got their attention. The story might not have been right, for them at the time, but it wasn't a bad pitch. And I know a lot of journos who, if you pitch bad crap at them, you're wiped. You know they won't they won't look at you again. But if you deliver something of of value, and it might not be right at the time for what they want, but it's still a good story, exactly. then the next time maybe you'll come up to, into their email because they're all on email, and then the next time again. So it's it you've really got to persevere. It's not just a once. Oh, I never worked. I'm walking away. Because let's talk about the benefits. I mean, you've already talked about some of the, you know, the results that your clients are getting and, 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 and what happens, the benefits. I mean, you can do so much with content and social and that can grow your audience and it's fantastic. But this is what really supercharges, doesn't it, by getting media exposure and it's, it's reach plus credibility is the way I look at it. Exactly, exactly. And uh, an example comes to mind which is very very tangible and also picks up on your previous point that it takes a while I worked with um, a startup when I was first going freelance and um, it took me one of the the one of the the media that we identified was the times I knew that if we could get them in the times that it could be a game changer for them and I worked on um, the ideas, on the potential stories for four months. I found the right journalist by kind of having um, a Google search of the topic area, uh, which happened to be in, in gas safety at the time. And um, I found this individual. I knew how she wrote about businesses, that she needed something current to kind of hook the story onto. Took four months, but they we finally got them a full-page article in the oh, Times. What? <laughs> and off the back of that, they were offered um, private equity investment of £20 million. Now, if that doesn't success say benefit... <laughs> I hope you had a successfully built into that. <laughs> I know, right? I learned, I learned to do that in the future, but... Um, Incredible, you know, it took four months, but I tell you what, it paid off. Yeah. It paid off. And and the other thing is, you know, like if you're in media, look at other media as well, and it's credibility. It's not like, I mean, yes, there's times when you've got an exclusive, and you know they want the story, and you don't want it. But if you're in a position to give someone an exclusive and they want it, that means it's pretty hot news. But that that's not most people at most most junctures. And so the thing is, if they've seen you you know, on TV or heard you on radio or in the trade press or on blogs or whatever, you know, they know that they, the last thing a journal wants to do is interview the wrong person, you know, or, or it's not, we're, we're talking journos too. I mean, it could be radio and it could be, you know, a TV talk back or something like that. I mean, they don't want to mistake, make a mistake and have someone who looks good but might not really have the, the chops. Yeah, exactly, you know. yeah. And I work with clients to figure out 
It's because some clients work great on TV and radio only, and some clients come to me and say, no, I just prefer the written words, so blogging, guesting, um, or newspapers and things. So, yeah, uh, it, it depends on where you feel comfortable, and... Um, yeah, totally depends. And in the mainstream media too, I guess there's probably more newspapers and magazines which aren't hard copy, <laughs> less hard copy these exactly. days. And, uh, you know, you do get all these little spin-offs as well and these sort of hybrid media that are run by journos but they just haven't got the legacy uh, print publication. So often they're, they're quite, um, you know, powerful. We don't have to look at in the States where you got, you know, Huff, Huffington Post and... Um, and I don't think TechCrunch has ever put out a hard copy and, uh, you know, but they're the most, you know, they're in that space, they're the most powerful. So, you know, there are those more niche niche players as well who are, I'd call tier one as well. Um, yeah. I mean, TV, I think radio offers probably, you know, they've got Talkback Radio and, and regionals and all of those. They've got so much airtime to fill um, that they're always desperate for really good talent and it's not just a good story then, it's can you answer questions and can you articulate and that's a different ball game but equally very, very, very powerful, isn't it? Like it's some amazing opportunities in radio, I feel. Oh, I love, I love radio um, mm. and we've got all the BBC um, regionals which are amazing and like you say, they're looking to fill airtime. Um, the slots certainly here are the morning shows, you know, when people are travelling to, well, used to travel to work but still the morning shows are on in, you know when people are working from home as as well and they are powerful you know to be in someone's ear while mm. they're um maybe driving to work or when they're um getting the breakfast ready it, it's a it's fantastic and i've had some really great success working with with clients that that do that and um they love looking for you know local people doing something different or unique or have a story to tell or a spin on a trend or a national um so yeah always i think people often overlook radio so it's 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 one or a local you know if you are locally based or something like that is there a local trend that you can uh, there's a bigger trend but what's the local angle of it that's my um, country newspaper uh, um, background coming out. What's the local? <laughs> Unless I can put the local angle in the first line, it's not going to happen. But, you know, if you're pitching a story, and as we said from the outset, anyone can pitch a story. How old were you when you pitched that story, that first one? Go on oh, back. 19. 19. 19, there you go. And, uh, you know, sometimes <laughs> if you gave it another five or ten years, you might not have done it. You might, oh, no, you overthink it. So there's, a, there's a beautiful thing about being 18, 19 and just, oh, what the hell? <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. yeah indeed, indeed. All righty. Um, so just uh, conscious of time and thanks very much for your time. You've shared a lot of great stuff here. What's, what's the number one mistake that you find that your clients your, you know, your your leaders your founders your thought leaders that sort of people with you know they've got the, the goods but what's the number one mistake you find that they make when it comes to sitting down and saying we're going to do a media relations program for you is there something that they 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 just aren't they're off kilter all the time it's that hook it's that hook to something wider you know they're too inward focused yeah. and that is a big issue you know yeah. they're very focused on the the widget and you know what the business is doing and we're amazing and you know it, it they don't look outward so you need to look very much yeah. outward and have something to hook it on which is journalists will always ask why now you know why are you, why should i share this story now yeah. that's the other one is making it 
timely yeah. to what's going on in the world. And you can easily do that in terms of looking at stats or trends and um, some, and then kind of hooking your story or make yeah. creating a story around that. So really the, the, the message there is, is become a student of the media and really follow and f why is that up getting up and that's not and and all of that side of things and and the more you can make their life easier because there's less journos now there's less people in the media and they got more to fill so they need help and they 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 really respect um good people who can who can really help them do their job properly um, so if you're one of those people and you come up with the goods and you've thought about it then um, you know you're you're on you're on and if there's a hot news story and you can log into it or you've got a comment on it bang get it out there don't overthink it you won't have time you've got one one hook to go in and you know they're on they're on deadline probably as you're thinking about it you just got to jump Exactly, exactly. And the people that can do that, they become a friend to the media. And I've got clients who have gone on to do that and they do their own PR now because they've got, you know, big tier one contacting them, messaging them. Can you give me, a, you know, yeah. a comment? So, yeah. All righty. Thank you very much. It's been great. Thank uh, you. Talking, talking shop. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for me. Um, where's the best place that people can track you down? And uh, you're on Twitter as well. I am. I'm on Twitter. The place I hang out and I feel most comfortable these days is LinkedIn. Yeah. So that's where you're going to see me all the time sharing, you know, little posts and blogging a, a, a bit, just sharing ideas around the media and particularly challenger brands and trying to get your message out there. So, yeah, LinkedIn, just Shanoa Parr. That's um, I think I'm probably the only one out there. <laughs> I reckon. I reckon. I reckon. Absolutely. <laughs> just Google, you'll find it. You can't say that about most people, but you can Google it and you'll, you'll find it. Fantastic. Yeah. Thanks thank very you. much for your time. Thank you. The reputation economy is here. The world today needs more genuine, credible experts and leaders to stand up and share their experience, their wisdom, their stories and ideas. Are you in?